your kindness, your incredible blessing over each one of us. And we thank you, Lord, for the promise of your return, uh, that you have promised to be with us always, even to the end of the age. But at that end of the age, Lord, you will be back and we will greet you face to face. And I thank you, Lord, for your word in which you've revealed uh, not just yourself, but also your will for us. And so, Lord, I just pray uh, as we study these passages that you would uh, bless us with wisdom and with the will uh, to obey, uh, to act accordingly, Uh, not for our own protection, Lord, but for your own glory, trusting that you will protect us. Uh, for you are good and merciful and gracious. And so, uh, be our teacher today, and let us have the grace to be your students. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We are. I am so glad to see all of you. So we've got somebody else coming in here. So glad to see all of you on this uh, 29th day of January, 5th Sunday of January, and... Um, 75th or something like that uh, lesson in Matthew. So, I don't know what it is. It's really not that many. I don't know. It is a lot, actually. So, we're in Matthew chapter 25 right now. And one thing that I uh, have been thinking about is that it would be ideal if I studied this before I set up the, um, the, the different, the break, where, where we break the passage. Uh, but as it goes, I, I look at the passage quickly, I look at the chapters, I break it up that way, and then I, uh, usually the week before, I, I begin to study it. Last week, you remember that uh, as we looked at Jesus' answers to the question of the disciples, uh, when will these things be, meaning the uh, destruction of the temple, and what will be the sign of your return? Uh, Jesus uh, didn't the answer to that to those questions didn't end where I thought they ended, and so the answer to the first question about the temple uh, bled into last week uh, because uh, I had not yet seen it. And and in fact, uh, what is what is interesting is that Jesus uh, has several parables and uh, f- four parables, which I really kind of thought was three because my Bible didn't break out the first one. And I just sort of skimmed the first one last week at the uh, end of chapter 24, and then you have these sort of well-defined parables uh, at the beginning of chapter 25, or or through chapter 25. Three well-defined parables, we'll cover two today. But but I want to just go back as as I've thought about it and and touch on the parable from last week. So uh, just to give us some context here, as you may remember, we're nearing the end of Jesus' last week. And he was in the temple, and uh, it was probably Wednesday before Passover on Thursday, Monday, Thursday. Love your, um, you know, love one another as I've loved you. That uh, the Last Supper, and we saw him in chapter twenty-three railing at the hypocrisy of these of the religious system uh, that is particularly the system run by the Pharisees. It's the temple system, not individual Pharisees, but the whole, the whole system. And he pronounces seven woes, like you're like, you know, you're like whitewashed tombs, you're beautiful on the outside, but 
uh, inside you're like dead man's bones. And you heap up burdens, but you don't lift a finger, and on and on. And, and again, I think I said that's, that's what I think really got him killed. Um, and then he, he leaves the temple, and the disciples say, wow, look at these big stones, and which is such a funny like, sort of interjection. But um, it's the opportunity, at least, that Matthew gives uh, us to all the woes have set up this, this prophecy that no stone is going to be left on another. There was the destruction of the temple. And they leave the temple, they leave Jerusalem, they go down across the Kidron Valley and up the Mount of Olives, and they're looking out probably over the Kidron Valley back at Jerusalem, and that's when the disciples say, when will these things be? Um, when will, when will these things be, the temple destruction, and when will it be the sign of your return at the end of the age? And so, chapter 25, which we're in today, flows right out of this second question. What will be the sign of your coming? And so, um, so we, we've said that a, a lot of the apocalyptic language is really around the destruction of the temple, which happened already. That's already been fulfilled. Jesus, of course, has not had his second return, so... Uh, we're in that waiting time. And, um, and so Jesus, is when he begins to talk about his own return, it, 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 the language calms down uh, quite a bit. But he talks about uh, what it is uh, to be ready for his return. And, um, and he says, no one knows the day or the hour, so you need to be ready. Remember, he says, therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And uh, that's uh, verse 42 in chapter 24. And then again, therefore you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. So then he gives the, the first parable, which again, we sort of skated over last week. And, um, and that's where he says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household? to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So you see, it's not broken out in my Bible. It may be in yours, but it's not broken out in my Bible as a separate parable. And It's not in what you have in front of you that I've handed out because it's in chapter 24. But I kind of missed it a little bit. He says, if the wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect. And will, um, and so he's talking about laziness in preparation for his return. The, the servant who says, I'm just tired of waiting. He's probably never coming. I don't really need to be diligent until I know he is coming. So I'm just going to do whatever I want, and then I'll get my act together when it looks like he's on the doorstep. And Jesus says that's not, that's not a good way to be. So he talks about laziness. But then he, as we get now into chapter 25, he, um, he begins, uh, the parables are a little more well-defined well and will be familiar to us, the parable of the ten virgins, which is, I think, a little, um, a little foggy to us. I mean, we're not really sure what the, and it certainly ends in final judgment, and that's a little harder. But then there's the familiar passage of the talent, the parable of the talents. And, uh, and so the, the title for this week is Israel's Got Talents, uh, which, you know, you can see what I did there. Um, what, what is the word that we might use, what word might we use for staying ready for the master's return? 
vigilance, some people have said. Vigilance, diligence, is that what I said? Which one? Vigilance? Anything else? Yes, I mean, that certainly is saying vigilant. I would say discipleship. Um, that, that This is staying our pattern of getting to know Christ, growing in our relationship with Christ, patterning our life after Christ, is preparation for His return. So that, that's, the whole, uh, that's the whole Christian life. If you follow your life as a disciple of Christ, you will be prepared uh, for when He comes back. So, he's talked about laziness. I encourage you to go back and look at that. Now he's going to talk about preparedness in the parable of the ten virgins and then diligence uh, in the next. And, and then finally, next week, we'll look at the final, final judgment, uh, the parable... Uh, where this is the beautiful passage where he says, "As you did it to the least of these, you did it to me." That's next. Now, not next week. Next week is the is um, is the annual meeting, and then almost is you know that's really just as good, isn't it? As studying the Word of God, um, and then we'll uh, we'll finish up the week after that, and then we'll get into this. I love how this is, has um, has lined up because then we'll get into Jesus's uh, passion right during Lent, culminating in his resurrection. Uh, and Easter, and then, uh, and then we'll be done. And I'm going on sabbatical. All right. Um, what's that? I did, well, thanks be to God. Yes, thanks be to God. All right. So, can someone read for us the parable of the ten virgins? It goes uh, really from the first verse to the twelfth verse. Would somebody like to read that? Thank you, Connie. Ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So, some of you may have, have you know, you've heard a sermon on, on this, or you've done a Bible study on this uh, particular passage, and, and it, there's a lot in it that we could just take if we took it on its own. But there is actually, I think, at least to me, there's a richer understanding of it, knowing that Jesus is actually talking about the Master's return. The emphasis is, the context is, is on being ready for the Master's return, not just on, you know, having oil in your lamp or whatever, which is part of how you're ready, but, but the whole context is flowing out of this, the disciples' question, what will be the sign of your return? How will we know? How should we, you know, what, what we do? And Jesus is talking, speaking into human nature and talking about um, that and I just think, for me anyway, it gives it a richer context to know it's flowing out 
of those questions rather than just trying to figure out, I mean, we do need to figure out what's, what is going on with these bridesmaids or virgins or young ladies or however it's translated in your, in your uh, Bible. What, what, is, what in the world and why is the, why is the bridegroom delayed? Anyway, it doesn't tell us why he's delayed. What'd you say? Had a flat tire. Had a flat tire. <laughs> the question would: did he, Would he have a flashlight uh, if it was, you know, it was at night? And um, that's that's an important thing to have. Why ten or twelve? Because why not four? Have you? Have you? I mean, the more. If you, as one who has conducted many weddings, the more the more bridesmaids, the harder it is to control. I mean, let me just tell you. I mean, ten sounds like an awful lot to me. Um, and so I think just there was a wise rabbi who said, "That's that is it. That is no more. No more. Um, uh, no mas would be the Spanish uh, rabbi, but um, the so." What what do you make of this? Uh, what do you make of this parable? What 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 jumps out to you as, as you hear this? I mean, we already had questions like why 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 ten? What is there significance there? What else? It's divisible by two. It's divisible by two, so there's you can cut them in half. You know, right? a half in one group, half in another. That's that's good. That's might be a good answer for that. Yes, Alicia. Response of the ones who were ready and said, "Since go and take care of yourself," which to me sounds like the antithesis. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 wise bridesmaids. We have the oil. Is like, forget it, y'all. That's you know, we're not sharing. That sounds a little. Uh, that sounds a little selfish uh, in one sense, doesn't it? What do we make of that? It's a good good point. We can talk about that. What else? Right, they fell asleep. You wonder if the disciples or Matthew, when he's writing this, is going, "Yeah, we fell asleep too." And And they kept the yeah the fire. They kind of all all of them, right? I mean, it's yeah. That's what's so interesting is the is the um, is what let's let's talk about what actually distinguishes. These these bridesmaids. That's that's good. What else? Yeah, George. The door was shut. I mean, it it is. It's a little scary because the door is shut, and they're like, "Wait, all we did was forget our oil." He says, "Forget it." Not only is are you not just like you're too late. I don't know you. Like I was in your wedding. Like, well, I mean, what? What do you mean? It's a, it's a, so it, it is, it is a, a very, uh, um, I, it's hard, it's a hard parable. We don't, we don't love judgment, final judgment. I mean, some people sort of love final judgment in the sense that other people, you know, might be final judgment. But when we come, we're like, we, we're not, I mean, do I have oil in my lamp? I'm not sure. I mean, the, the prospect of us having the door shut on, on us. Or even the prospect of being inside and seeing the door shut and your friends, your fellow bridesmaids, as it, as it were, being left out. Like, nobody likes that. Yeah, Jim. Um, 
In answer to the disciples' question, um, Jesus points. He does. He does. He says, basically, he's saying here that you won't know when I'm coming. Well, that's right. That's right. In fact, because you, so that's why he goes into what what does laziness look like? What does preparedness look like? What does diligence look like? Because you don't know the hour, so you're gonna have to get. Re- you're gonna have to be ready. So what's interesting about this? So the parable is about the master's return. It's continuing that same question about that. And Jesus is drawing on this tradition. You can imagine the disciples going, well, I did not see this analogy coming. The, 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 he's drawing on this tradition that after the wedding, which would have you know, typically, I think, been held in the late evening you know, or, or, or early or late afternoon, early evening, the bridesmaids would ex- escort the bridegroom from the ceremony, through the streets, to the feast, to, to the, what we would call the reception, you know, the, the wedding banquet. And so it's night, and they need torches, because otherwise they can't, they can't see. Uh, there is no stated reason for the delay. You know, and some people, some scholars take the time to speculate, well, maybe he was delayed for this or that. There is an app, it did, it's a story. It's made up. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that they didn't come, or the bridegroom didn't come when they expected it. And every age from ever since Jesus has expected, is this the time? Just like many people, maybe some of you, maybe some of us, and, and many people around us, I think we're in the last days. We are in the last days. And the last days started with the resurrection. And they will be until Jesus' return. So from God's perspective, we're in the last days. But for us, we're like, what in the world? This is taking a long time. The church. So that's us. Yes. Yeah, the bride actually isn't in the story at all. So um, uh, the, the whole point is who's getting into the banquet. I mean, that's, that's, that's the point. But the, the, in the biblical narrative... Because there's several instances of, of that. The, the church is the bride of Christ. In that sense, we all escort the church in. We are the church. And so I would say that gets to the place where we don't need to cut. That's a fine line that we don't need to, you know, that, that misses the, not misses the point like you've missed the point, but just that that's not what we're trying to get to. That's not what we're trying to get to. I'm going to edit that out of the online version. <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's yeah. The devil made me do it. All right. Um, so the delayed groom shows up. The, the all, interestingly, all the bridesmaids have fallen asleep. The, the, it doesn't. I mean, remember Jesus said, "Stay awake. You don't know what hour." They all fall asleep. The the distinction we might expect the distinction would be well, some of them fell asleep and they weren't ready, and some of them had stayed awake and they were ready. That's not. They all fall asleep. And, um, and so uh, the, the watchfulness, at least for this parable, is not the concern. The concern is preparedness. So the, the bridegroom shows up. Parousia, right? The coming of the master. And it comes at midnight. Why midnight? What's that? Beginning of a new day. Beginning of a new day. There you go. That's interesting. I hadn't. That's, yeah, I like that. I like that. 
What else? There's the Advent hymn, At Midnight Comes the Cry. I uh, love that hymn, but that makes me remember that. I think it's because it's, it's sort of symbolic of the hour that everybody's the least prepared. Everybody's the least attentive. Everybody should be asleep uh, at that point. And can you imagine uh, that maybe perhaps people are um, concerned uh, about Jesus' delay? Yeah? Like, I mean, did, we might be like, well, was he, was he mistaken? They didn't send out a search warrant. Yeah. They didn't send out, I mean, but what about us? I mean, can you imagine in our day that, that people would be, might be concerned that Jesus has been delayed? Maybe he got it wrong. Maybe he's not coming back. Can you imagine that people are lazy about his return, giving the length of time? Could, that, could we imagine a scenario where we might, someone might take their eye off the ball? So I think that's what Jesus is, is aiming us towards. What, what might preparedness look like? The distinction is that the, the, the ones who get in are the ones who had oil to dip their torches into. And why wouldn't they share? Well, if their lamp went out and they ran out of oil before they got to the feast, the, nobody could see the way of the procession. And so... Um, and so they said, go, go to the oil dealers. I don't know how many oil dealers were regularly open at midnight, um, but they go and then they get left out. There was, there's a, a scene also in, um, in chapter 13, I think it is, where um, you had the parable of the, uh, the parable of the weeds. And um, no, no. Anyway, there's there's a, there's other places that um, I'm getting my my references mixed up. I should have written that down, but um, basically the the weeds don't get separated until the uh, until the harvest time. You know they're they're still, but that's uh, but they get thrown out. But they, there's there's other places where um, they said I, I never knew. Oh, it's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. That's where it is, chapter seven. That's the other reference where he says. Um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? So they did mighty and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I mean, to me, that's, that's scary. That's scary. So what they're saying is we paid lip service to you. We paid lip service, but actually the mighty works happened. I mean, demons were cast out. I haven't done that very often in my, in my career, uh, let me say. Um, I, I think that, how do we know if we've got extra oil? In fact, what is the oil? Faith. Say it again. Faith. Faith. I agree with you. Tell me why you think that. It's what gets us in the in the party, right? Yeah. It's what binds us to Christ. Is our faith. Now, did the did they have faith? I think they. What did they? 
it seems that they did not. It seems that they did not have faith. They were, they were around it, but they didn't have it. Jim. Um, in the Old Testament, oil was representative of the Holy Spirit. Oil was representative of the Holy Spirit in the, in the Old Testament. Yes, so it's, it's the presence of God in you. And here's the thing. You, preparedness is not something that you can share. In other words, you can encourage it, but they, but, but only you can be prepared for you. That's and why the five couldn't. That's share that's why they couldn't share. We can't give you faith, you know. Like, um, you know, if it was money, sure, we can share money, or we could, you know, food or something like that. It's a tangible good. But if it's if it's something internal, then we can't give that. You have to have that for yourself, and you can't actually go to a dealer and get it either, can you? You have. It has to be generated by that relationship. And so the, the distinction seems to be that we, the, the master actually says, I didn't know you, would suggest that there are actually people in God's church that, that don't know God. So what is the distinction? Well, I think we have to um, diligently seek after him uh, to get to know him, uh, not just to go through the motions, but to... As we say around here, we pursue that intimate, personal and intimate relationship with Christ. So what, is, what does that look like in your life? What, what might that look like in your life? Personally, anybody willing to share? The way you walk. Excuse me? The way you walk. The way you walk. Sort of bow-legged or... No, what do you, what do you mean? The way you live your life. Your faith is known by your actions. But again, you can have somebody whose faith looks great and uh, on the outside, but is actually hollow. I mean, the bride, they were all bridesmaids. You know, so how, how do you, what's the difference? Oh, ye of little faith. What does that mean? The ones that ran out of oil had little faith. The one that ran out of oil had little faith, yeah. Perhaps, I mean, perhaps, I, I think it has to do with do we. Are we, um, are we going through, does our uh, relationship with God look like, is it about what we do, or is it about what God has done for us? Do we live our life in gratitude, and faith, and trust, and what God has for us, living our lives with open hands, or do we hold our resume in our hands and say, look at all the things I've done for you? And to me, that's, that's quite convicting, uh, because I do a lot of things. Sometimes it's easy really uh, to, and it's others on staff or others uh, who have, um, I don't know if Father George would, would say, but it's, it's easy to do a lot for God and forget God in the process. And, and so it's um, my relationship with Christ is something I've got to cultivate uh, with intention, uh, with intention. One way that I love to do that is that um, on Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock, I have, we have a, a group that prays. And everyone is welcome. If you have 10 o'clock free on Thursday, we pray for an hour. And it, is, it goes by like that. It is really wonderful. I'd love for you to, that's, but that is a, I, like I won't miss that if I'm in town. Um, yes, Virginia. When you say we feel cultivated, mm-hmm. perhaps that's part of refilling the oil in your own land. Yes, refilling the oil in your own land. So it's not just a one-time purchase, is it? Yeah, it's always that light's always burning, and so we've got to always be refilling the oil. Yeah, I love that. That's a that's that's a helpful word. Thank you. Yes, Jane. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by 
Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So how might that inform our, our preparedness? We, yes. So we return, we return to hearing the Word of God, right? So whether it's preached or whether we're um, not in, whether we're just reading, but we return to God's Word because faith comes by the consumption of God's Word. So I think all those are really good, but it's just this ongoing thing. Like, am I doing this to, to prove my righteousness to God and therefore that I can um, that I, that I'm worthy? Or am I actually just coming humbly and saying, I've got nothing but you, and, and it's all about what he's done for us. So that's what I think is, is, is the faith, is the oil, is continuing uh, in God's um, uh, opening God to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to work uh, in us and to fill us up. Yes, Katie. Who is Jesus when he comes? The other people around that are doing signs and wonders. If we're really living into our spirit, we should get that checked in our spirit. That's not him. Wait. So, yeah, so Katie's saying, and I, and I love that, that, um, that there's this, as we know Jesus, we'll be able to recognize his spirit in us. And when other spirits sort of well up, whether from inside us, and I don't mean like legion or something like that. But if, if um, you know, a spirit of fear or a spirit of, of uh, greed or something like that, we can check that spirit against the spirit of Christ. And, and, I, and I, I love that. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, let's go on to, the, to a more familiar um, parable, the parable of the talents. A little bit long. Would somebody be willing to read it? Yes, Sissy, go ahead. Dorsey. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had two the two talents made two talents more. But he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. 
So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, at my coming, I should have received what I was my own, what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will, for to everyone who has will be more given. But to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In the place, that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so there's, again, there's this sense of the master coming back and judgment uh, at the end. But this is, this is a more um, familiar parable, I think, to us. I'm told that our word for talent, which is like your gifts and your skills, actually started as a, um, as a metaphor coming from this. I mean, a talent it was, a, was a very large sum of money. But it was always understood that, you know, whatever um, gifting God has given you in your skill, that is your talent, that you are to do well with it. And so now it's just become part of our, uh, over the hundreds and hundreds of years, it's become just part of our vocabulary. Uh, but, but a talent uh, as a sum of money was, uh, as I understand it, 20 years wages for one worker. So like a million dollars. The average worker makes $50,000, it's a million dollars. And so it's not as if he gave one five dollars and one two dollars and one a dollar. You know, he gave five million dollars to one, two million dollars to another, and one million to one. Now, that might sound a little unfair, unjust. Why didn't you just give five million to to all of them, or let's see, eight million divided by three, and you know, just make a you know whatever it is. Like, why didn't you just give the same amount to everybody? Well, listen, when you give. Uh, you know that when some people can handle uh, a lot of a lot of money, and some people can't, and so it's, it would be a burden. It would be it would be a curse uh, to someone. You know, if someone you've heard this tragic story of someone winning the lottery, go from poverty, and now all of a sudden they had three hundred million dollars, and within a couple of years they've got less than they had before because they can't handle it. So there's a very good chance. And I think given the likelihood of the, the, the master's character that we know, that there's actually kindness in the disparity. That he knows the individual servants. Yes? It said that he gave to each according to his ability. He gave to each one according to his ability. So the one had, had demonstrated uh, more sort of skill uh, in, in that. So he, what's also interesting is that he knows each one. He knows each one and what they're capable of. It's also interesting that the one who was given the one million dollars, the one talent, was in fact seen by the master as capable of handling it. Isn't that 
I, I think that's important to hold on to. The master, uh, so he's, he's, there's this incredible abundance. The master uh, who has a slave or a servant like this can, has, has all authority to, um, to take everything from the servant. But in fact, what he does is he entrusts his own wealth into the hands of the servant and leaves. There is no oversight or, or um, there's no uh, sort of foreman who's relaying the messages back. The ma- there's incredible generosity and trust that the master puts in each of these servants. And, um, and he says, uh, he went away and he who received the five ta- talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. Now, it doesn't say how long it took him. It doesn't say how much he spent uh, in order to make. He got to spend money to make money, right? It doesn't say how much he spent to make it. It just says that he used it in a wise way and generated double the funds. And so did the one with two. The one with two never even made it to the, the amount the first one started with. And yet, he was kind of faithful and worthy because he did what he had. And it's so interesting that the, the, um, the both of them took what they were given and doubled it. The one who was only given one has this view of the master that he is afraid. If he loses anything, he is going to be in big, fat trouble. And so, in fact, he didn't lose a dime. He didn't live off of it. He didn't enjoy it. He didn't go wasted on wine, women, and song. He just, he just put it in the ground. And basically, if he put a, a million dollars in the ground, he would have just had to continue living the way he lived before as if uh, he had not been given anything. And so there was actually no relationship with this one-talent servant to anything that the master had given him until the master's return. He didn't lose it, but he didn't use it either. He didn't blow it, but he didn't, um, he didn't make it prosper. And actually, the judgment is not that he took. Uh, you you might think that the the um, the judgment would be that he took a risk and it and it failed. You all, you almost get the sense. And I kind of wish that Jesus had done this. I'll, I'll ask him about that one day. But he um, <laughs> he said the five talents servant earned five talents more. The two talents servant uh, tried to earn two more talents, but actually blew it and only came back with a half a talent. Because he, he invested it, but it, it just didn't work out. And the, and the master says, uh, blessed are you, servant. You tried. It, it, was the, it was the effort that mattered. Welcome into the joy of your master. That, that's not the way it happened. You know, that's, I, I kind of wish it did, but that's not the way it happened. He, he actually, um, and maybe that's because that's not how it ha- can happen. That if you are exercising your faith, that it is going to grow. That is your greatest asset, in fact. And if God has given you the faith and you are putting it into action, it's going to grow. But if you bury it and don't have anything to do with it until you come, the master comes back and you're like, oh, wait, I remember you gave me some faith and here it is. You know, I hadn't, let me dust it off and there's nothing. You don't have any relationship to that faith. And so it's... Uh, it's going to smack you. When it, when, uh, that was crazy. 
Okay, good. Wow. So let me ask you, what has God, I mean, this, obviously we can say this is not about money, but what, what has God given you that we should see increase, which is offered back to the master? Faith. I mean, certainly faith. Love, I guess. An abundant life. An abundant life. Say more about that, Father George. Well, he gives us life, and he gives us life abundantly. Yes, he came that we might have life and have it to the full. And it's what we do with that life. Okay. Uh, what return, if you will, we have on that life. Do we just live our lives to ourselves, or to those that we immediately love, or do we, do we share that love wider? Do we... Do we share that abundance? Do we share the, the abundance that God has given us? I think that it really, I mean, it might have to do with, um, and we can share our money that He's given us. We can share our um, house that He's given us. We can share uh, our time that He's given us. The, the whole point, I think, is that the, what's interesting is the, those who had much, actually, uh, perhaps part of why they were trusted with much is because they trusted the heart of the Master. And in fact, the one who didn't, wasn't entrusted with much got exactly what he expected, which was a hard master. Isn't it interesting? Did you notice that when the master comes back, the two uh, wealthier servants actually offer it back to the master. Here, look, I doubled it. And the master never takes it. They, they get to keep the abundance isn't that wonderful? And then he says, you were entrusted with a little. What is the wealth of this master that $5 million given to $10 million is just a little bit, and now I'm going to really entrust you with stuff. That is a, that is a wealthy master. We have a, an abundant God whose riches are beyond anything that we can imagine. And of course, I'm not talking about gold. Although that's all his too. But it is a life of faith and joy and love that is beyond anything that we can really get our heads around. And if you exercise what you've been given, more will be given to you. But if you bury it, you're going to lose it. There was a skit. I've talked about this before, so I'm sure you all remember. But it was a skit when I worked at the YMCA. We called it the Love of God skit. And this guy comes in. Uh, this counselor, you know, he's coming in and he's got, he, he's just, he's pantomiming as, as if he has a ball, right? He's like, wow, this, this is really great. It's really cool. And somebody comes in, another guy comes in, and he's kind of moping around. And he says, uh, um, he says, what's that? He says, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's love. He says, really? Yeah, it's great. I just got it. Just, I, have it. It's fan- I love playing with this. And the uh, mopey says, I wish I had some of that. He says, yeah, here, take, take some of mine. And he, you know, acts as if he's breaking the ball apart and hands it to him. And then they both, he actually has, then the, the counselor who's doing the skit knows what he's doing. His hands grow a little bit. Yeah, now his ball's a little bit bigger. Whoa, this has got, you know, gotten big. The other one has one. And, um, and, then, uh, and then he, the first counselor goes off. Well, the second one is, is playing with this love and, and, and bouncing it and doing it behind his back. And this is really great. And somebody comes up and says, kind of moping, and he says, wow, what's that? He says, it's love, I just got it. And he says, can I have something? No, 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 I don't want to give any that, that it, um, 
uh, because I, I don't want to I don't want to lose what I've got, and it shrinks and it happens again and it, then it's gone. Wow, it just dad comes. It always happens to me. You know, I have something good and then it gets taken away, and then the first one comes back. He's like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" You know, and just and um. And the whole point, of course, is you give it away, you get more. And it's, it's the love of God. Skin. So he, he, then, the, then the second one gets, gets a little bit back, and they, they all live happily ever after. But that's, that's the, because it's the YMCA. But that's, um, uh, that, that, is, that is how this works. But if we see God as a hard master, that actually is what we're going to get as well. That's one thing that strikes me in that. Talent part, you understand, but not only does the guy bury it and not grow it, but he insults the master on top of it. Yes. I mean, it wasn't just a little insult. Right. Yeah, he insults the master. Katie has something else to say. Yes, Katie. Yeah, I think one of the key words is in verse 25, where the, the um, servant mentions, I was afraid. If we have faith, God tells us all the time, do not be afraid. Right. Do not be afraid. Yeah, I was afraid is what the, the, afraid, the fearful one-talent servant says. I was afraid. And, and the most common commandment in all of Scripture? Fear not. Yeah, fear not. That's a really good point, Katie. Well, friends, so be diligent with what God has given you. Share it so that God may increase your abundance. And um, be ready for his return. Next week we'll talk about uh, the final, final judgment. No, not next week. Two weeks. Two weeks. I got time to prepare for two weeks. And then, um, and then we'll get into the passion uh, after that. All right. God bless. Morning prayer today. Hope that you will uh, join us, and we'll see you in church. Great to have so many joining us. Thank you so much. God, wonderful, wonderful Sunday.